Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast, hosted by me, Martha, and <laughs> me, Ashley. <laughs> We're all just doing our best. We're all just doing our best. I'm at this point in the fall where where my, my core, my trunk is really hot, but my fingers and toes are really cold. So that's the type of fall we're in right now. Do you think that might be because you live in a cozy cottage? I do live in a cozy cottage. And right now I'm looking out and the trees are turning colors and oh. I can see the lake twinkling in the distance. And Literally it's a magic. dream, even though I have zero Wi-Fi. So I would be, I, I am such a great target for murderers. So come get me. <laughs> No, um, don't get her. <laughs> anyway, um, well, sometimes, you know, on this podcast, we have the opportunity to interview moms like yourselves, parents from the NICU about their experiences. And other times we get the unique pleasure of interviewing experts in the fields of neonatology and obstetrics and uh, maternal mental health. And that is who we have today. We have our most frequent guest <laughs> in Dear Nick Mama podcast history, Natalie Ryder of Prairie Land Counseling, LLC. I always put the LLC in there. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for using the official title. Woo woo. Well, thank well, you for having me. I feel so honored to be your most frequent guest, and I love your guys' podcast, and I just love being on here. So, oh, we do too. And it speaks so highly of you too, Natalie, and the culture that you've created at Prairie Land because we also had the opportunity to have your colleague, Jessica Hotchkiss, on. Oh, she was awesome, yeah. And she also brought just the most beautiful wisdom with so much compassion. And it was like after the episode, we were like, of course she would have a colleague like Jessica on her team. <laughs> like just true angel. You have just facilitated such a beautiful team culture. And it's really a gift to have you as a provider. Well, thank you. And Jessica, yeah, Jessica is amazing like she is wow worthy I feel like so honored that she wants to even think about working with me and so yeah no she's just amazing no we love prairie land we're so grateful for you every time we have you on the podcast I know speaking for the both of us we text each other afterwards and we're like first of all she's the wisest person on the planet Mm -hmm. and we just feel a lot a lot less crazy a lot more quote normal we feel like we're like oh okay this actually makes sense like can digest this like we're not you know we're not all up here like it's in the heart now too and so thank you so much for making time to be on here today and from the sisterhood as a whole I know your episodes are always so well received so it really means a lot that you're taking time to to connect yeah. with us again thank you you are to the journey Mama podcast as Steve Martin is to SNL Ooh. yeah <laughs> there you go um I I'm so glad that you're back. It's it's fantastic. I would highly recommend anybody who's listening right now to to search Natalie's name in our podcast history because I think one of the top episodes we hear about all the time is the one you did about intimacy after NICU trauma. It yes. is so good. I had so many eye-opening um mm-hmm. kind of 
turns during that episode. So thank you so much. And I can mm-hmm. expect only that and more today. Well, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Ashley? We are talking about spooky thoughts because Ooh. it's spooky season. No, today we are really excited. We've kind of had this idea um, as a podcast episode for years, maybe, I, I will say. And we kind of wanted to time it with Halloween and the turning of the season with fall and talk about spooky thoughts, which Martha, can you explain what spooky thoughts are? Yes, I uh, I think the clinical terminology is intrusive thoughts, but it, for today's uh, podcast, we're talking about spooky thoughts as the thoughts that we don't want. They're unwanted and they pop into our heads. I could list off some right now, but I think I'll stop myself before I do that. Um, but the, I think particularly for our, our NICU families, it's those ones about oh gosh, hygiene and health and sleep and your worthiness as a parent, all of those above. I think we all can identify as those things that pop into our head. So we really wanted to talk about that um, because understanding that those uh, have a name and those mm-hmm. like are not part of you is such a huge part of of healing, I think. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once, you you know, in the NICU, when you kind of have that experience where you nearly lose your child or you're constantly in that fight or flight, you come home and those, it's not like those fears and worries necessarily just go away. <laughs> in fact, sometimes they're exasperated and you feel them even more because mm-hmm. now you don't have the safety of what you had before. And so I'm excited to, like you said, name them and also hopefully have some tools of, okay, what can we do when we experience them? What is like a next gentle step that we can do to get ourselves out of those sticky, spooky thoughts. So Natalie, since you're the professional <laughs> and we're two yahoos with microphones, yep. can you, t- <laughs> Ashley, you're not a yahoo. You're the most gorgeous person I've ever met. But Likewise. Natalie, could you tell us how you define intrusive, spooky thoughts for your clients? Yeah. So, you know, like you said, like kind of like the clinical term can be like intrusive thoughts or just automatic thoughts. And I think, you know, something that I really hope people can take away, particularly from this podcast is like you said that, you know, these thoughts are just thoughts, you know, they're distressing, you know, not to say that they are not, but, you know, thoughts generate from places that we can't control. And so they will just pop up. And my favorite analogy is like waves in the ocean. They're just always there. You know, we don't necessarily control our thoughts, but we do control how we react to them. And so intrusive thoughts or spooky thoughts or scary thoughts, however you kind of want to think about them, you know, are just thoughts that pop up and they occur to almost everyone. Um, I'm going to be when I, if I'm ever quoting like a statistic or a study or something like that, it came from this really great book uh, called Dropping the Baby and Other Scary Thoughts by Karen Kleinman. Um, and so in one study, it showed that 91% of moms and 88% of dads experienced scary intrusive thoughts. So we're talking about basically all parents are going to experience some sort of spooky or scary or intrusive thought at some point. And so again, I think really kind of, you know, normalizing or naturalizing, like this is a natural occurrence. It's part of the thing that helps us, you know, take care and keep safe of our kiddos. Um, And so intrusive thoughts really are just the thoughts that pop up that we just really don't like. Yeah. 
sorry. I feel like it, just hearing it said out loud again, it makes you think about, oh yeah, that's right. Cause I think that you dropping the baby is such a good, um, a cl- one that you think about because how many of us, the first time you hold a baby, I'm like, oh my God, don't drop this baby. Don't do it. Oh my gosh. Am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? And that's, mm-hmm. that was such a clear, um, uh, illustration for me to understand what one is and identify it in my, in myself too. Yeah. So you've already kind of described this, but who typically experiences intrusive thoughts and pretty much you said, you know, most people, every person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Most people experience intrusive thoughts and, you know, it might be like, you know, as intrusive as, you know, when we think about like littles, like a lot of them can be like safety based some of them can be hygiene based some of them can be you know fear based or action based there's a lot of different types of kind of these intrusive thoughts but they, again they they kind of come out of nowhere um and so just again kind of just like this is just a natural occurrence that happens it's not an abnormal experience you're not crazy and i'm quoting here you know <laughs> if you experience thoughts like these. Hmm. Right. Would you still consider it an intrusive thought if it's like slightly delayed? So for example, let's say that you were holding a baby all day and you didn't have those intrusive thoughts and then you're laying in bed. I'm speaking from personal experience here as if you can't tell, (laughs) but you're laying in bed and you're like, what if I would have dropped that baby? What if this would have happened? What if this, you know, is that the same thing as an intrusive thought or is that more of like an anxious thought? Is there a difference? You know, I think like the difference is a very like nuanced shade of gray. Sure. Like the thought itself is going to come in kind of from out of nowhere where if you're just laying in bed and then all of a sudden it's like, what if I drop the baby? Right. You know, that's intrusive. You know, and then we tend, and then like, what if I drop the baby? This could have happened. And then if we start playing like the what if game, you know, the anxious thoughts that follow that, you know, that rumination piece. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about, because one of the things I think with spooky thoughts is this idea that I am going to actually follow through with something like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some of the genre, like, like dropping the baby is like, you know, what if I go down the stairs and I drop the baby down the stairs or thoughts of like causing like intentional harm? Like, what if I take this pillow and smother the baby or you know what if I'm like fall and I trip in the kitchen and the baby gets hurt by a knife or something like that again very intrusive thoughts but what's interesting about intrusive thoughts is that the thought itself is not as powerful as the attention that we give it we feel more anxious the more attention that we give the thought and so that distress that we experience um actually makes it so that we are less likely to follow through on like a scary thought or scary act that we're thinking about. And these are called ego dystonic thoughts. So it means that they're distressing to the core of who we are, which means that we are not likely to follow through on them. Hmm. Just like somebody, you know, who maybe has OCD, who fears like they've accidentally hit somebody, you know, driving down the street. So they might circle the street 10 or 20 times. That's the compulsion piece, you know, makes them actually, you know, at a lower likelihood of accidentally hitting somebody because they have this feeling of being tense and on edge. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that intrusive thoughts, so kind of going back to like the motherhood piece, Mm -hmm. 
would you say that intrusive thoughts are more common in like those postpartum stages or in like when in pregnancy or do they kind of is there really no like you know rhyme or reason for when they would occur I think that they tend to be a little bit more um, common in the postpartum and pregnancy stage in the sense that the thoughts that people tend to have often are are causing higher levels of distress. And so kind of a, you, this episode might be kind of hard just because like some of the thoughts that we talk about that are intrusive are really kind of scary thoughts. Like the thought of like, I'm going to take the pillow and smother my baby. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to maybe have that type of thought, maybe like obviously like pre-pregnancy or, you know, something kind of like that. But, you know, once we have it and we're already heightened, you know, mm-hmm. we're already sleep deprived, you know, we're already, um, you know, disconnected from some of our social connections makes it likely so that those thoughts that we would maybe normally would be like, well, that's weird. Okay. I'm just going to kind of brush that off, make us more likely to react to it, which makes it more distressing. Yeah. In a way though, I find it reassuring that it's actually a sign that you are the exact opposite of that thought that having the thought actually means that your understanding of right and wrong is really strong and your sense and ability to defend and take care of your baby is really strong too. So that is a huge relief for me too, to know that that's, um, that's in it because, you know, like you said, they kind of ebb and flow and change with your kids as well. Like this is parenting essentially at a certain level, but yeah. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely like research has shown that there's absolutely no correlation between having this kind of scary thought and acting or creating an act on it. So what are some common, you know, spooky or intrusive thoughts that you commonly hear, or you might imagine that we would hear from a NICU parent specifically? I think you've covered some of kind of the broad subject areas and we probably could list off 10 or 12 for you individually as well. Well, I think that's a great question. Like kind of going back to you guys, what are the ones that you guys hear? You know, maybe your top like three or four that you tend to hear, you know, from your community. I think for those that are in the NICU, especially because the babies are so fragile, a lot of it is, oh, if I, um, I'm going to, what if I were to move this card back, this, this wire by accident, right? Or if I, again, if I drop the baby or what if I were to sneeze, I mean, seriously, that on, on the baby, that's definitely one piece too. Um, what if I didn't wash my hands and uh I brought in the flu and then my baby died? Right. You know, like Mm -hmm. you go to like, Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. And at home, I think, you know, it could be, I think about our moms who are medically complex, you know, um, what if I were to fall asleep and, um, miss the alarming of their, of their uh, machine. Right. Um, or, uh, a lot of times washing, washing things enough. Hygiene is huge. Um, for sure. Like all those different types of things. Um, and I think too, some of those intrusive thoughts are about shame of self, right? Like, um, the, the ones that pop up, like, um, the, what if the, the baby's better off without me, right? That type of thing. They're kind of layers into kind of the depression and the, the worries. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like I had intrusive thoughts a lot about like the police coming and be like, 
what if I was arrested? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but that's why we're going to the kind of the spooky thoughts because they are so opposite of who you are and the life that you're living right at that yeah. moment. I know one mom has shared, you know, because we know so many intricacies of our babies, like medical history, mm. one mom said one intrusive thought she has is what if I got in a car crash and died and nobody knew how to take care of them? Mm, you know, like right. you have those intrusive thoughts too, of like you being that primary caregiver. What if something happened to me and then my baby suffered because I got in a car crash, mm. you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I know that's one that I think we've all maybe experienced or is in the back of our heads or different things like that. You know what I'm noticing? Every single sentence starts with what if. <laughs> yeah. 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 Natalie's looking at us like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is, it is super interesting too, because again, it's not based in the reality of what's happening in the moment. It's this thing that kind of flutters through your brain. Um, and I think it can be really frustrating because mm-hmm. both in the NICU and out of the NICU, all you want to do is bond with your baby. Oh, yeah. And it feels like all that's preventing it is these spooky, intrusive thoughts. And you, first of all, didn't get to have the newborn, first of all, newborn experience that you wanted to have. But now you're trying to, and your brain just keeps having these intrusive thoughts that feel like it's preventing you from fully bonding with your baby. Um, And so I know this isn't a question that we necessarily have on there, but, you know, what encouragement or, or wisdom would you give to moms who are just trying to connect with their child but feeling like their intrusive thoughts are getting in the way. You know, I think if they're, ha- you know, if their intrusive thoughts are at a level of like it's preventing something, that it's getting in the way of something, then that's a great time to seek, you know, a professional opinion or, or just kind of consult, whether it be like with like your OB or your child's pediatrician or, you know, a mental health professional, you know, like that's where we really kind of start to draw the line between, you know, perhaps like anxiety that everybody experiences and an anxiety disorder is like the level of distress and impact on functioning. And so if you're telling me that, you know, you're not able to to bond or you're feeling like your bond is impaired, then that might be something that, you know, you'd come see me about and we'd, and we'd talk about it and we'd, you know, kind of push through. But, you know, a lot about it, a lot about these intrusive thoughts is really kind of pushing through them, like just kind of like labeling them. Sometimes I refer to them as like sticky thoughts um, because the more that you get into it, the stickier it becomes like kind of like caramel or taffy. Like it's just like, and then you're just getting more and more stuck into the sticky thought. And so when these spooky thoughts come up, you know, something that is, you know, generally helpful is to, you can kind of just like label it. Oh, I'm having a spooky thought. I'm having a scary thought. I'm having an intrusive thought. I understand that this is distressing to me and yet I'm still going to cuddle with my baby. I'm still going to, you know, um, maybe I'll do some reality checking with my partner and being like, you know, you know, I don't have a cold, right. I haven't had any symptoms. I can, you think it's okay. You know, so we can do a little bit of that, but we don't want to necessarily get into like reassurance checking with it, but just doing a little bit of the reality checking. Like I don't have a cold, like, you know, I've washed my hands three times, you know, I've done X, Y, or Z. This is the likelihood of this happening is very low. Mm. One question off of that is, again, we have as NICU parents experienced, unfortunately, 
the worst of the worst when it comes to your nightmares of children being ill and sick and in critical care. So how do you distinguish between a sticky thought and a real thought, right? Um, Well, I guess they're all real thoughts, but you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, Something that would be of real concern. Well, I think, you know, um, and this kind of even kind of goes back to a little bit of kind of even like how we kind of dealt with some anxiety around the pandemic of Mm -hmm. like, so I've washed my hands three times. I've, you know, made sure that, you know, I don't have any cold symptoms, you know, at this point, like what risk is higher, you know, the risk of me transmitting something to my baby or my risk of impeding my attachment to my child, Hmm. you know? Because the truth is, is that you got with, you know, NICU um, littles, you know, and parents, you guys have experienced the worst of the worst and like the 1% or the half percent and, and things like that. And so even though it's like the, the chance is very, we talk about like a chance being kind of low, I can already hear the response of yes, but I, I've already lived that right. chance. I've already experienced that low chance. And so then we kind of go into the, you know, you've done everything that you can. There's mm-hmm. nothing more to do. Now we need to go through and kind of push through that level, that last level of distress and engage in the thing that we want to engage in. And it sounds like that when it gets to that level where maybe it's you're having the trouble discerning, then maybe that's when it is good to find a professional to process through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because we can talk about, you know, like safety, because again, we don't want, you know, again, everything is is so nuanced and fine lined between, mm-hmm. you know, what is a, you know, reasonable safety guard and what is like an obsessive compulsive action or ritual you know and I mm-hmm. think it, and it varies so much from person to person from diagnosis to diagnosis you know from little experience to little experience um, and so I think you know talking to somebody and having it be personalized towards your experience mm-hmm. is so important yeah absolutely I know like there's been times in some of our um, episodes are just like our support groups where a mom will say, I'm so scared about this. And we'll say, it makes sense mm-hmm. why you're scared about this. But, <laughs> and then there's this but of, yeah, working with a professional to, to acknowledge that fear, to know that that might, that may have been your reality in the past. And yet there's still hope to be able to push past that and engage with your child in a way that you're building that bond. You're moving forward. We're not getting so into the weeds and those sticky thoughts. Yeah. Um, has always been so hope-filled because, yeah, it makes sense why we would fear these things. Yeah. But what can we do, you know, for the next part? I love the word and because it validates so much. You know, like you have experienced the worst of the worst and we can still, you know, push through the distress and, and hold your baby at, at night, you know, without going through like an entire sanitation thing, you know, if that's appropriate, you know, you can experience your thing and still push through what you have. So we can Mm -hmm. honor your experience with the and, and still push forward. I think one of the, the biggest things, like the biggest hurdles 
is uh, you have these thoughts and maybe it's a newer experience for all the reasons you listed, right? The heightened experience of having a new child, of being postpartum, of going through a trauma, right? Um, you start to have these thoughts and our first instinct is I'm crazy and I should not tell anybody about this because they will think that I'm crazy and they will lock us me away, right? When you, we, we've just identified that actually the majority of people have these, it's incredibly common. It's more common if you've gone through a traumatic experience. So how can we kind of overcome the shame, you know, to get to that, that piece of, of sharing with somebody else? Or is that maybe itself? The no, answer? I, well, I think, you know, unfortunately, there have been a lot of, and I think still continue to be a lot of really negative experiences in like the medical field about talking about these thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, finding somebody who maybe has like the perinatal training, you know, um, who has some sort of background, so they recognize that if you're having these thoughts, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Like you're going to act on them. Those are two very distinctly different things. And there have been instances, you know, where like CPS was called or, you know, um, you know, higher levels of care were taken when maybe they didn't need to be taken. And those are just, you know, failings of our medical system for moms and, and dads and, you know, just all parents that we are not doing enough to really educate about what this experience really can look like. We, we just, we like to like, just pat it, pat it dry and put it on a shelf and be like, we're just not going to talk about it a whole lot. But I think the more that we normalize the fact that, you know, almost everybody experiences these thoughts to some level and some degree, you know, especially with NICU experiences and the hypervigilance, those thoughts, you know, are very powerful and cause high levels of distress, the more that we normalize that, the more that we just decrease shame. You know, shame likes to hide in dark shadows. So the more that we shove it in a corner, the more that we don't talk about something, the more that we keep it inside and just harbor it, the bigger the shame monster grows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know in my experience, when I've been in like a safe environment where I can share some of the spooky thoughts that I've had, being able to speak them out loud and realize how maybe irrational they are helps because sometimes when they just replay over and over in your head, they feel so normal. You're like, oh yeah, that could totally happen. That would be totally a real thing. And then I speak it out loud to someone who's safe and who can help me name those thoughts. And I'm like, wow, that was like very irrational. But when it was in my head, it felt so possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we give find that safety to speak it out loud, it really like you know, diminishes some of that shame because we can hear it out loud for the first time of, oh, that's, that's not as, you know, possible as it sounds in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that's a, you know, like, again, when you speak things out loud, it, it changes the power dynamic of them. You know, mm-hmm. like for some things, like when we say it out loud, we get very empowered about a thought, which is really great. And sometimes when we say a thought out loud, it, it we are able to be like, oh, wait a minute, you know, like a really great analogy is like when you are sitting, when you're laying in bed and you're in the dark and you see a shadow, you know, in the corner of your room, your mind races and you, and you just don't know what it could be. But when you turn on the light, you realize it's a shirt on the back of a chair. Mm. And so like the more that we're able to shine light, to talk about, to just name the more that we're just turning on lights and being like, oh, that's a shirt on the back of a chair. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And just like with anything, you know, Dear Nikki Mama related or trauma healing related, community is essential to feeling that solidarity of, oh, it's not just me. (laughs) Oh, I'm not the only one that has these thoughts. And so Mm -hmm. I hope to all moms listening that you, you hear that loud and clear that this is common, that you're not the only one, that you're not broken, that there are other women and men who experience this as well. And you're not alone in these spooky thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. You know, again, like I can't like echo what you said, Ashley, enough just that this is this is a common experience. And, you know, these thoughts are going to happen. What matters is how we react to them. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. and that's the thing that we have control of. We may not necessarily have control of these thoughts that kind of come in because they're like waves. They just generate and they're there. But what matters is like how far into the ocean we go, how we react mm-hmm. to the thought. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. One might say that the thoughts aren't spooky, but the shame is. Ooh. That's the real, the real monster in the dark. Am I right? Martha's been waiting to share that. Yes. <laughs> that one. She was like, ready to mm. let that low. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think it's so true with just like the um, clarity when you throw the light of day on something like that. Um, oh my gosh, I've had that experience so many times when I say something out loud, especially early on when I was sharing about um, when JJ came home and I was having, you know, what I lovingly refer to as my Sylvia Plath days. I remember telling that to someone and they were like, oh, I totally had all of those thoughts. Even when I heard, first heard the the name of that book, um, Karen Kleiman's book, Dropping the Baby, I remember thinking, oh, other people have that thought too? It just never occurred to me that it was a common experience. And like you always say in the uh, in the vein of self-compassion, right? Understanding shared experience is what allows us to give like unlimited grace to ourselves because you know what? You've already been through enough NICU parents. You don't need to beat yourself up about this too. You know, it's you deserve so love and support and peace for yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, and not to put you on the spot, Natalie, I know we do this a lot on our episodes with you. <laughs> so like, could we do, time to do like... a juggling routine? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But could we do like a little, um, you know, maybe like example. So maybe I can name a spooky thought and then you could maybe give an example of how to process or name that thought. I know you talked about, oh, it's a shirt on the back of a chair. But if we give you like an example of like, you know, how can we process through that thought to maybe get past like the sticky part of the thought? Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so maybe let's just use that example of, you know, dropping the baby or sleeping through the alarm maybe. So, you know, what if I slept through the alarm, didn't count the breaths tonight, and something terrible happened? Okay, so, you know, what is the likelihood of that happening? How many times have you slept through the alarm before? None. None, okay. So, so far we have a hundred percent or like a, you know, a a perfect batting average that we will wake up to the alarm. So what we're going to do is just reassure ourselves with the fact that I have not slept through the alarm yet. And so I'm going to keep my batting average, kind of keep it going. And I'm just going to kind of label this as an anxious thought and go ahead and move on. I think such that's so beautiful. My mm-hmm. round of applause. Yeah. But no. I, I also think that I love what you said, the the move on piece, because 
it um, gives you permission to kind of move on to the next thing. And it doesn't need to be um, whatever comes next can be something that brings you joy and comfort too. I, sometimes I, I know that there's this feeling like we need to like flagellate ourselves for having had gone through this experience at all, but then you can go and do something that is good. Maybe you can go and play with your baby or drink some water for God's sakes, or, you know, um, make sure that you have a good meal. It might be a clue that you can do something for yourself then that makes you feel comfortable. Well, and that's exactly it is that I think, you know, instead of, you know, viewing these scary thoughts as the fire, viewing these scary thoughts as the smoke from the fire, mm-hmm. you know, these scary thoughts are really just indicators that you're probably feeling pretty anxious and some sort of need oh. is not being met. Mm-hmm. I'm not sleeping. I'm not feeling connected. I haven't eaten very well. I'm not taking care of myself. You know, I need to go and do some, one of these things and... I'm sorry. I'm laughing because it's so, it's like very true. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So funny. Yeah. But like, this is just an indicator. Apparently I'm all about like the analogies this episode. I'm all <laughs> yes, like, I yeah. love smoke, it. waves. Go, you go, Steve Martin. You yes. Go. But you know, I, because I, I really like this one though, because like it really is nece- not necessarily like the thing that's actually causing the distress is not that the, 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 I mean, the thought causes the distress, but usually it's an indicator that I'm not doing something else. Mm-hmm. Right. One thing that's been, it sounds really silly, but one thing that I've started to do very slowly is if I catch an intrusive thought and I do kind of that exercise where I call it what it is and I say, it's spooky, I move on, telling someone that you love that you did that. Like kind of yeah. allowing like a little moment of celebration. I know I've done that with you, Martha. Of like, you'd be so proud of me. I had this thought and I mm-hmm. didn't like ruminate on it for an hour. Mm-hmm. But just like allowing yourself to have a moment of celebration of like, you know what? I did that. I didn't get stuck in that thought today. I just want to celebrate that with someone has been kind of like a little win in my life of, okay, like I'm, I'm taking that active step forward. Doesn't happen every day. But when it does, sometimes I'll message someone that I love just to kind of get some of that camaraderie of, you did it. Way to go. (laughs) Absolutely. Positively reinforce that behavior as much as you absolutely can. Like, I think, you know, getting a, like talking to somebody, getting a hell yeah, you know, (laughs) getting a pat on the back, like, absolutely, you should do that because it is hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard to change behavior. And so it is, as weird as it sounds, it is actually easier or the path, I shouldn't say easier, is the path of least resistance to, to feed into the what if game, Mm -hmm. you know, to like let our minds just run there. It takes a lot to pull it back and to try to, to move on to something else. And so you absolutely should be congratulated, should be celebrated, you know, should just be proud of the work that you're doing. Yeah. I am so grateful that we live in this generation because there's yes. like this amazing cohort of parents who are just like, I, it, I'm going to do the hard thing and I'm going to take care of myself. Um, and that's better for our kids, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I'm, oh gosh. Anyway, I'm thinking of all the boomers I know and love right now. Um, I think the, um, the last question I have, unless you have anything else, Ash, no, the last question is, um, the big one is does having intrusive thoughts make me a bad mom or a bad parent? Absolutely not. It just makes you a parent. Mm. 
Well, that's great. That's like the most beautiful way you could have said that. That's the name of your book. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We definitely encourage, if you want to learn more about intrusive thoughts, um, Karen Kleiman has founded uh, the postpartum stress center probably like 30 years ago. She's mm-hmm. awesome. And she has, um, uh, dropping the baby, but also she had a book come out. That's like all of their incredible comics that they've posted on their website. Yes. Those are so cool. Actually, you're the one that first told me about those, Natalie. They're amazing. Um, it's little diagrams, these little comics of parents kind of talking to each other and they say something, you know, like, how are you doing today? And, the mom, the new mom says, I'm fine. But then you see the thought bubble that has actually all of her running intrusive thoughts in it. They're so powerful and cool. Um, I believe that book's called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's fabulous. In fact, um, at our upcoming event for um, Courage Lives Here, one of our speakers is Hillary Waller, who is um, Karen Kleiman's associate from the Postpartum Stress Center. So we're so jazzed about that. Um, but honestly, Natalie, you are just the bee's knees and we are so grateful for you and our community and all the wisdom you have to share. Thank you for being a provider who gets it and also is always researching and striving to do more for the the people you take care of. We appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. I just love being on this podcast, you know, um, so I, I appreciate the work that you guys do to just support parents who have gone through such a unique experience um, and are so deserving of attention and and acknowledgement of their courage. Mm. Beautiful. Well, I echo what Martha said, Natalie. Thank you so much for being here. And to all of our NICU mamas or NICU parents listening to this episode, we just hope that you feel encouraged and validated that you are not your thoughts. And like Natalie said, you are not a bad parent. You're a parent. Mm. These thoughts are normal. Um, I know it's frustrating. We also acknowledge the frustration of having these thoughts when you're in the midst of your healing and all you want to do is bond with your baby and it feels like you're having to do more work to battle these thoughts. We also just want to commend you for the healing that you're doing and um, just know that you're not alone. This healing journey is lifelong, but this sisterhood is here for you, is rooting for you, and we see you as the remarkable mom that you are. So Nikki Mamas, we will be back next week. Um, We hope that this Halloween season has less spooky thoughts and more happy thoughts and Mm -hmm. more spooky candy. So (laughs) with that, we will be back next week with another episode, but thank you so much for being here with us today. You are loved. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.